Welcome to the Morning News Podcast for Friday, March 5th. We begin with our weekly conversation with Mayor Nahed Nenshi. We talk with the mayor about the news earlier this week of a tech giant setting up shop in our city and get his thoughts on the updated COVID vaccine rollout schedule in our province. It was surprising news to wake up to this morning for sports fan with the announcement that the Calgary Flames have made a change in their head coach position. We speak with NHL insider Craig Button about the new coach, very familiar to fans, Daryl Sutter. March is Fraud Prevention Month. We take a look at a new survey focusing on just how savvy Albertans are when it comes to online fraud. And we get some tips on how to protect yourself from an expert in financial crime and fraud management. And finally, look up, way up. Calgarians will be able to see quite the light show over the city this weekend. We get details on how and when to see the Starlink satellite formation streaking across the sky. 812 on the morning news uh, from Calgary, perhaps being the new tech hotspot of our nation, uh, to the one-year anniversary of Calgary's first COVID case, and much, much more, all things Calgary. We're joined now by Mayor Nahed Nenshi for our weekly chat. Good morning to you, Mr. Mayor. Good morning, gentlemen. I can't figure out the subliminal message this week. (laughs) Subliminal message. Well, she wants to dance, dance, dance. Uh, We're trying, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, who knows? We'll have to. We all want to dance, right? It's Friday. We're all dancing. There we go. The weather, and we'll maybe be dancing about the announcement uh, yesterday uh, from the province hearing Minister Shandro saying we're bumping up that that COVID timeline. We'll get to that in a minute, the vaccines. Uh, But first, it's a a sports-filled day, so we're we're focusing on sports and uh, your favorite sports movies. People are texting them in. Do you have a favorite sports movie, Mr. Mayo? Well, you know, uh, your producer, Brian, was asking me uh, just before I got on air, and my first thought was Tom Cruise and the Color of Money, which I love. Yes. I love Friday Night Lights, but I think I'm going to be a little more Canadian today. Um, I was thinking of Men with Brooms with Paul Gross, (laughs) a very funny movie about curling. But the one I'll recommend is a recent one. It's called The Grizzlies. Uh, it is about a guy who goes to teach in northern Canada and becomes a lacrosse coach. Oh, yeah, I've heard about and this. And it's uh, just a couple of years old, and it is so much better than it has any right to be. It sounds a bit trite, but it is fantastic. It's about northern Canada. It's about kids. It's about following your dreams as a teacher. I highly recommend it. I might have to check that one out this weekend. Well, moving on to, to other things, Mr. Mayor, some great news from a major tech corporation. Can you break down what Infosys announced and what it means for the city? I am so excited about this. This is something that I personally have been working on for about four years. Um, and it's part of what I call Calgary's value proposition for tech. You know, about four years ago, we identified that while everybody was looking at looking to attract the same kind of top three or top four big tech firms, there were giant firms not located in the United States uh, who could be convinced that they should come to Canada and run their North American operations from here. And at the very top of our list was Infosys, the massive uh, Indian tech firm. And for those not in the industry, you might not know how big this company is, 250,000 employees, one of the largest tech firms in the world. And so we started a conversation about four years ago with them, and it's been a long courtship but I was so thrilled that they uh, agreed that they want to go from seven employees in Calgary to 500 over the next couple of years uh, and make this a major hub for them globally, uh, particularly serving Canadian and American customers. So it's a really big deal because it'll serve as the nucleus of our tech industry. You know, we want lots of startups, but it's great to have some big companies there kind of to anchor the whole sector, and uh, so I'm thrilled that this went through. 
Nice to have some. You know, it was it was a year ago, literally a year ago from the announcement that I was in Bangalore mm-hmm. just before COVID, um, and I'm so thrilled that we were able to close this deal. Wow! And speaking of of, of a year ago, um, it's incredible as we we look back uh, one year of COVID-19 essentially coming to Calgary. Uh, let's talk about that and how you reflect, you know, the past 12 months. Yeah, you know, um, like I say, I was in India, um, a long planned trip to India, my first trip ever to India, as a matter of fact, um, and a very consequential one for the city, I hope still, even beyond Infosys. But we were kind of tracking the virus. And the funny thing is, I was laughing to myself because we were in India for six days, And I thought to myself, you know, I'm the only person in the history of tourism to come to India and never see anything, never go to the Taj Mahal, right? Just see conference rooms and offices and hotels. And then I was, the reason I had to come back so quickly is because I was on my way to an important energy conference in Houston, where again, we were meeting with energy companies to sell Calgary called uh, Sierra Week. And Sierra Week got canceled while we were in India. It was the first international conference really to get canceled. And I thought to myself, maybe I should stay a couple extra days, actually go see the Taj Mahal, you know? And then we realized that things were moving very quickly. We had our first presumptive case, as you say, uh, here exactly a year ago. So I rushed home and I got home on a Sunday. On the Monday, I remember going to work and being uh, in front of some cameras. And they said, what do you think about this virus? And I said, you know, it seems to be growing quickly. So everybody let's stop shaking hands. I still remember it. I said, I have a mayoral edict. No more handshaking in Calgary. Remember when we used to shake hands? You just have to say namaste because I've just been in India. (laughs) And that was Monday. Wednesday, the NBA canceled its season. Thursday, the NHL canceled its season. Friday, most offices went to work from home and said, don't come back on Monday. And Saturday, we declared the second ever state of local emergency uh, in the city. So that was all over five days. Holy cow. We're going to continue. And here this... we are a year later. Yeah, yeah crazy. We're going to continue this conversation. Can you just stick around for another segment, Mr. Mayor? Absolutely. 819 on the morning news. More with Mayor Nahed Nenshi. Uh, thanks again for taking some extra time with us, Mayor. Yeah, happy to do it. You know, we've covered a bit of ground so far. Talked about, you know, Calgary as the next tech hub. Let's continue that ball and keep that rolling. Talked about the one-year anniversary of COVID-19 coming to Calgary. Uh, in, a, in a bright light yesterday, hearing from Health Minister Tyler Shandler that we've moved the chains, if you will, from September to the end of June. That's a bright spot when it comes to having every Albertan who wants the vaccine over 18. But also hearing that uh, as early as today, in fact, next several hours, we might hear about the full approval of Johnson & Johnson. What are your thoughts? Yes. in the vaccine progress. Oh, I'm so happy about it. You know, um, last time we talked, I talked about how last week it was my mom's 80th birthday and her 80th birthday gift was I took her for her vaccine shot and how excited people were in the room. And I got to tell you, since about four o'clock yesterday, my phone has been ringing off the hook and texting. You see, I just turned 49. Mm-hmm. So I'm not quite on the list for AstraZeneca, but a lot of my friends are a little bit older than me. And everyone's like, all right, you're the guy who knows, am I signing up for AstraZeneca or am I waiting? What am I doing? And, uh, <laughs> and I'm full of advice. Uh, I'm no doctor, so ask your doctor, but I'm full of advice. And the exciting thing about it is that we've got now four vaccine candidates. I've been doing a lot of reading, and they are all outstanding vaccines, all of them. And all of them have nearly 100% effectiveness on preventing hospitalizations and deaths and severe outcomes. 
So, you know, if you have the chance to sign up, I say sign up. And uh, the Johnson & Johnson one is really interesting because it's just one dose. So, you know, just this morning I've been in some conversations going, all right, what sort of populations would really benefit uh, first from a one-dose vaccine? You know, people who might be transients, who might be moving between provinces, people who might have a different life circumstance four months down the road than they do today. So we're working out those plans as we speak. And certainly the city is ready, willing, and able uh, to provide our assistance in having mass vaccination centers uh, should we have more vaccine than the pharmacies can handle. So uh, definitely all good news that we're seeing on the on the vaccine front. Is it surprising to you that it's been able to ramp up so quickly after such uh, negative news even three to four weeks ago that we might be waiting till September, October for this? All right. So, you know, we never talk politics on this station, right? So um, I might uh, be a little political about this. I got to tell you that I always suspected that governments were doing one of the things governments like to do, which is under-promise and over-deliver. And I always thought that getting everyone in by September was a very, very easily achievable goal. And we might see something a bit quicker than that. I didn't expect this quick, to be honest. I didn't expect the extension of the second dose to four months, allowing everyone to get their first dose much, much more quickly. So it's smart. It's good policy and it's scientifically sound. Um, But, you know, (laughs) the United States had said everyone by August. And we were everyone by September. And I thought, yeah, a month behind a country that has its own manufacturing capacity, that's not actually so bad. And when President Biden said end of May, I thought, oh, it's going to be hard to catch up. And now we're end of June. So, again, a month behind, which is not so bad. Absolutely. Not so bad. We appreciate your time this morning, uh, Mr. Mayor. Thanks, everyone. It's going to be a beautiful weekend. Get outside, get some fresh air, get some exercise, stay safe, stay safe. The light is at the end of the tunnel. But you don't want to be the person who gets injured or killed in the last week of the war. So stay disciplined uh, and uh, let's get as many needles into arms as we can. Good stuff. Thank you so much. That is Mayor Nahed Nenshi. 842 on the morning news. And I would say, hey, I just met you to the new Flames coach. But uh, we don't have to because we know him very well. Daryl Sutter has been hired after Jeff Ward was fired. And to discuss this move, as well as uh, the, the sad news of the passing of Walter Gretzky, we're joined by TSN hockey insider uh, Craig Button. Good morning, Craig. Good morning, gentlemen. So, first of all, your reaction, I mean... Both Andy and I, we were sleeping last night when this came down, but a, a 10 p.m. announcement saying, hey, the Flames are going in a new direction. Your reaction to that move? Well, uh, personally, I thought it was uh, something that was necessary. I think the team is uh, capable of much more. I, I, I think their players and the, and the team as composed uh, was clearly uh, not playing up to its potential, and, and, and that was as a team. And, and you can look at certain individuals. And, you know, it's a coach's job to instill a, a system of team play and things that are under his domain, you know, discipline and, you know, being able to be good uh, positional uh, defense and understanding that, you know, how we're going to play together. We're not going to play individually. We're not going to create our own problems. We're not going to uh, put ourselves in a vulnerable position. That's the system of team play that a coach puts in. And, and when you have those things all rearing their ugly head 
in the case of the, of the Calgary Flames, you look to the coach, and, and that's the coach's job. And I said a few weeks ago, it's either up to the coach to fix the problems or they have to look and consider finding a different coach. And I have no question in my mind, Daryl Sutter will fix the problems that plague the Calgary Flames and will and will ultimately get the team to play to its potential. And, and that's, all, that's, that's the goal. And uh, to me, they, they weren't playing to their potential, and I, I don't think there's any question, and for me anyway, that Daryl can be exactly the coach that they uh, that can do that. Greg, you look at the numbers, and I hope I have them correct in front of me, but I believe it's four coaches out of the past six years. If you expand that to a, a 10- or 12-year time frame, I think we can add a couple more coaches into the mix there. And I am no NHL insider, uh, Mr. Button, but... <laughs> To me, to me, and, and I'm not a, a huge student of the game of hockey, but shouldn't we be focusing more so on the, the on-the-ice product? Well, I mean, okay, so when, if I tell you this, and, and there's nothing wrong with putting a focus in different areas, mm-hmm. and, and, and you, you know, it should be comprehensive focus. But, you know, if you look at Sean Monaghan and Johnny Goudreau, who seem to get a lot of flack and mm-hmm. get a lot of criticism, you know, Johnny Goudreau has been top 10 producer in the National Hockey League you know, for the last five, six years. Sean Monaghan's been a top 15 goal scorer in the National Hockey League for the last five, six years. I, 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 so they're producing. And, you know, if I look at a player and I see a player and say, hey, listen, are they doing what they're capable of for the most part? Yeah. I mean, I think in the off season, what Brad Tree Living did in, in bringing in Jacob Markstrom, they haven't had a goalie since Mika Kiprasov. So when, when, when you look at, at, at how they play. And now you're saying, okay, now we've got a really good goaltender. We, we, we solidified our defense. We, we bring in Chris Tanev. Uh, you know, Yusuf Dalamaki's ready to take on a, a role. And you're looking at our defense is good. We've got a really, and, and you've got the same problems. Well, I mean, when you, uh, it, it, these are new players that came in. And, and, and you're still having the same problems and giving up lots of chances and being saw, uh, being vulnerable and, and, and not being understanding that your actions and how you play. Players do exactly what they're asked to do. They, they, they will always do exactly what they're asked to do by the coach. So when you watch the players get out of position, chase out of position, create, create openings for their opponent, break down, the players are doing exactly what the coach wants. So, yeah, it's fair to say look at the on-ice product and, and, and the players, and, and you can. But that's where I look and, and, and uh, disseminate that the coaching was the problem here. Mm-hmm. I think they have really good players. I think they have a team that's capable of a lot more. And when I see the problems that played, it wasn't lack of talent. I don't think it was lack of effort. It was, it was a lack of a, of, of a system of team play that gave them the best chance to optimize the talents of the players. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's what it was. And, yeah, I, I, I understand as a, as a former GM, you, you sit down and you say, okay, oh, how many coaches can you have and whatnot. I, I give Brad Schuerlin a lot of credit. He, he uh, last year with the Bill Peters situation, you know, put Jeff Ward in that position as an interim coach, and then he hired him. And, you know, he put a stake in the ground. But, you know, he also recognized it wasn't working. And, and that's not easy to do to say, hey, listen, I got to undo a mistake I made. And it's not, it's not about Jeff Ward not being a good person or anything like that. But, you know, for Brad Tree Living to, to recognize it and step up and say, we need uh, a change and here's what I want to do, I, I, I think that's, the, that's strength of leadership. And I think it's important.
Mm-hmm. Well, Craig, uh, we ran out of time. Not able to talk about uh, the, the passing oh. of Walter Gretzky today, but uh, we'll make sure that uh, that Jock uh, talks to you about it on a Monday <laughs> when you join him as the NHL insider uh, Monday on the drive, okay? Okay. Thank All right. You, thank Joe. you so much for Have joining us, Craig. You too. That is Craig Button, TSN NHL insider, giving us his take on the firing of the Flames coach. 609 here on the morning news. Now, of course, with COVID, we're all shopping a bit more and communicating more online, but it is Fraud Prevention Month, so it's probably a really good time to to discuss this. And a lot of Canadians are still saying, yeah, we're doing more online, but we definitely are aware that we're at risk of fraud. We're joined now by Tammy McKinnon, head of financial crime and fraud management at TD Bank, to talk about how you can protect yourself. Good morning, Tammy. Good morning. So, first of all, Tammy, can you kind of go over some of the findings of this survey? It looks like uh, Canadians are getting a, maybe a little smarter when it comes to fraud. Well, Canadians certainly certainly uh, are attempting to be better. Research found that the majority of Canadians, though this year, uh, 56%, feel more vulnerable to financial fraud versus 13% last year. So, although people are are trying to do the right thing, they are still finding themselves vulnerable to fraud. And when we talk about the numbers, uh, Tammy, they are substantial. In fact, even for a a one-month period to kick off uh, 2021, give us the financials uh, that have been lost by Canadians. Oh, goodness. Uh, The Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre reports that in the first 31 days of the year, 10.1 million has been lost to fraud. And over 3,000 Canadians have already fallen victim in 2021. Wow, that is. Albertans feel that they're most likely, actually, 60% versus 47% nationally. Uh, they would state that they were targeted via a phishing or an email scam in the last year. Yeah, and I was going to ask, what are the most, uh, have you looked into this? Like, what are the most popular online scams that we're seeing? Uh, we still see a lot of job scams, particularly popular during COVID. Uh, there have been vaccine scams. Uh, newer scams this year as a result of COVID that we hadn't seen before. Romance scams are still fairly typical. Um, and, and, you know, we often ask people to step back and, and take a moment. Don't, you know, be skeptical when you're, when you're receiving something that you think may, may not sound right. If it isn't right, step back, talk to somebody that you trust before you fall victim to one of those crimes. Tammy, we know that business is anything but usual during the pandemic and over the past year, but uh, the scammers, they haven't taken their foot off the gas. How, how do we compare, uh, you know, looking year over year to uh, being scammed? Can we, can we look at that sort of data? Is it increased or decreased? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's definitely on the rise. More Canadians point to uh, shopping online. More people are, are using services that they hadn't been using before, bringing things into their home uh, more people are clicking on links that talk about when a package is going to be delivered. And, and those are exactly the types of things, uh, those phishing and email campaigns that fraudsters are hoping that you'll, you'll, uh, you'll click on. Tammy, can you provide us, um, give us maybe three of the most important tips that can help prevent us from being victims of fraud? Uh, definitely using strong passwords. They should be uh, they should be strong passwords for everything that you're using that is connected to the internet, and they should be different. If fraudsters get one 
a set of ID, uh, you know, username and password, and you use it across many different things, they can then uh, have a better chance of being successful at logging in with that uh, those credentials. Um, never click on a link. You know, I think that's just one of the most important ones. We all get emails that contain links, and that is, it is really important that you don't click on links that you don't know or don't trust. And don't send money to anybody that you meet online. It's just too risky not knowing who is the recipient of those funds. I want to ask about, uh, you know, the age ranges of Canadians as well. And I know that in the past it has been a case of seniors uh, being targeted. Obviously, uh, the case is that anybody could be a victim of online or uh, technology when it comes to fraud. Uh, But as far as the seniors are concerned, uh, what what are you seeing? Are are seniors becoming more savvy when it comes to tech and, and online? You know, I think there's a, a better awareness, but I do still, still think that seniors and, and more vulnerable populations are targeted uh, because generally they they see things as being helpful. And, you know, our advice is to have a level of skepticism in everything that you do, uh, everyone at any age, whether you're a younger Canadian or an older Canadian, be skeptical about everything. All right, Tammy, thank you so much for joining us and uh, providing us a a little more details as we continue through this uh, Fraud Prevention Month. Thank you. That is Tammy McKinnon, Head of Financial Crime and Fraud Management at TD Bank. I got a bit of a funny story for you, Andy. So we just uh, joined another uh, insurance provider, and as part of our insurance package, they actually want me to, to download an app so they can track how I drive. Oh, all that is fine. Yeah, so all that is fine, and it'll save me some money. So great, I'm happy to do it. So like, apparently they sent me a text message yesterday. Well, they didn't apparently. They did, and but I didn't know what it was. And so it was just kind of like, to, to finalize your registration, click here. And I'm like, delete, because <laughs> I had no and, idea. But it was legit. Because it was just a random text message out of nowhere. But it just goes to show you that I'm just so skeptical now of all of these different mm-hmm. methods that people are using. And, and, and you wanted to, to bring up the CRA scams that we're hearing. It's tax time, right? Yeah, I, I, I get a lot of those, uh, this is the Canada Revenue Agency. Your account has been uh, compromised, or whatever it might be. Call or wait to talk to a warrant officer. Um, Sue, it was Tuesday or Wednesday this week, we're doing the show, and her phone, I can hear, you turn her phone off when you're in the studio, you're working on live radio with hot microphones. I could hear her phone going crazy, and I thought, what's going on here? So finally, we go to a commercial break, and Sue said, somebody keeps calling me, and I don't recognize the number. And that continued throughout the show. At the very end, she checked. It was four or five calls in a four-hour period from the quote-unquote Canada Revenue Agency. Now, uh, there's a few things you can do, obviously, on your phone. You can uh, go, depending on what, if you have an Apple or an Android, you can go and uh, block the number. That doesn't help all that much because they'll just find a new number. Somebody had told me along, along the way, that if you actually hit the one and talk to these people and you tell them, stop calling. So I tried this about maybe a week and a half, maybe two weeks ago. I went through and, and it was, hi, this is Sergeant so-and-so. And I said, hey, listen, I said, listen, uh, the, the game is over. These calls are getting to be annoying. Please take me off your list. And they hung up on me, which was, which was great. That's what I want, right? Yeah. Um, and I've had, I, I might have had a, a call or two in the past two weeks. I think that they might, that they might understand that they're wasting their time. And it sounds horrible to say, oh, they'll just harass somebody else. But if I think if, if they know that it's not worth calling Mike Tarasco, it's not worth calling Andrew Schultz, they take you off the list. I always enjoy those stories where people, they have the gall or the patience, I guess, 
to say, yeah, I kept, I, I strung them along for half an hour and gave them fraud, like, di- like n- improper numbers for my accounts, and and I lied about what my credit card number is. And for some people, it's a sport. Along, right? It's, it's a sport. just like, man, I don't have the patience for that. No. Maybe, maybe once I'm retired and I have nothing better to do, I'll just sit at home and like mock these people that call me and and try to fraud me out of if, out of things. If but... we're still getting these calls when you're retired, <laughs> we got bigger we still problems. Have a problem. 849 here on the morning news. And if you take a look to the sky, you might be able to take your mind off COVID for a little bit. SpaceX launching 60 Starlink satellites yesterday morning, and we can see them as they pass over Calgary. Don Haladiak is a member of the Royal Astronomical Society. He joins us now with tips on how to view them and uh, some other celestial phenomena. Good morning, Don. Good morning, Andrew. Well, so first of all, give us a little uh, background here. What's going on with SpaceX? Okay, well, SpaceX is launching these basically Internet satellites, uh, 60 at a time. And uh, the best way to describe it is if you can imagine your refrigerator, and if you take your door off and stack about 20 of them at a time in three rows, you get 60 inside or top of a rocket. So these are these very flat-looking satellites, but they also have solar panels that unfold. And like I said, they launch 60 at a time. There's over a 1,000 of them right now. But on Thursday morning, just, you know, yesterday morning, very early, about 1.25 Calgary time here, the last batch of 60 went up, and the orbit just carries them right over our city. And I've been getting so many text messages saying, Don, you know, I think we're being invaded, or I've been walking the dog. What the heck is that? <laughs> because it sure looks weird to see this cluster of you know 60 satellites all very tight together moving across the sky in a general west to east direction don this is what you do so so the lay person like it's like me and mike when we look up it'll be easier for us to differentiate that and a shooting star or a a comet streaking across the sky absolutely andrew the uh, the the satellites move they move quickly but not as fast as a meteor which is like a you know a flash of light in the sky or a bright fireball that we saw a couple of mondays ago these move but and, and they're spacing out so as we continue on over the next few days they will not be in this swarm or this cluster you'll start to see them like a train moving across the sky there'll be one after another moving across and i'd just like to give our listeners i know we need clear skies and the forecast can be up and down here in calgary at this time of the year but tomorrow morning saturday morning and i know everyone wants to sleep in but if you want to see something that's really spectacular get up about 604 in the morning and look almost straight up be going right through the handle of the Big Dipper. And if it's cloudy tomorrow morning and you don't want to get up, try Sunday morning. Uh, it's just a little bit earlier and not quite as high. It'll be almost, it'll be over halfway up in the northern part of the sky, but just around more closer to 6 a.m. So, you know, all around 6 o'clock. And you will, trust me, you will not miss this, Andrew. They're about the brightness of the, the stars in the Big Dipper. And we can all see the Big Dipper even from, you know, the light-polluted city of Calgary. So um, it's something to see. Well, interesting stuff. Thanks, Don. You're very welcome. It is Don Haladiak. He's a member of the Royal Astronomical Society, the Calgary Chapter.